Welcome back, everybody, to GMs for Hire. My name's Will Polston. Along with me as the regular crew, RJ, Matt, and Jamil. Um, we are here, and we are here to bring you the newest NFL schedules that just dropped on Thursday, May 7th. We are here to bring you the information and what we feel like, our predictions, and everything along with the 2020 NFL season. Um, we're going to start by looking um, across the leagues. This is a big time for everybody. I mean, you all know what uh, opponents you guys are going to be facing, you know, uh, your favorite teams are going to be facing earlier on. But now you're figuring out when your primetime games are, you're figuring out when games are, like when things matter, who you're playing when, and to see when those big divisional games are going to come on, who you're playing in your playoff push, um, who you're playing in those cold December months. So um, all the information's here now, and we have it all in front of us. So we're going to go over a little bit of that. We're going to start with uh, just going through um, the first couple, we're going to go through a couple weeks at a time. We're going to bring up some key games in our opinions. Um, we're going to see what really appeals to us um, in these chunks of weeks. We're going to do some rapid fire questions. Then we're going to bring you our predictions. So um, I'm going to start with weeks one through four, the beginning weeks of the season. Everybody um, just getting off to a fresh start, new season coming off this coronavirus. Hopefully the NFL is not delayed by the pandemic but well, i mean we can only wait and see um i heard that facilities may be opening may 15th for the nfl so well we'll we'll try to see if it does affect the season at all but um you know we'll start with jamil uh weeks one through four uh anything that really stand out to you in those first opening weeks uh yeah something that's like that that stuck out to me early on is the Bengals beginning of the schedule you know they had the number one overall pick that went and go ahead and got joe broadway burrow from lsu and um, I'm going to stretch your question out to one more week to week five uh, for their first five games. They play the Chargers, the Browns, the Eagles, the Ravens and the Colts. Those are some of those are some very good defenses, perennial playoff teams. Teams are going to be finally get to the playoffs. And if you're a rookie like Joe Burrow with a possibly shortened offseason, you know, OTAs, rookie minicamp, these things are getting affected by coronavirus. So to me, those your first few games are going to be big for Joe Burrow. He's getting a big test. Um and I hope it doesn't really knock his confidence too much too early. Heisman winner definitely already being put to the test early and often. Uh, we'll see how he plays out over there in Cincinnati. We'll move over to RJ, weeks one through four, or maybe even weeks one through five. Anything standing out to you? Yeah, week two. How about the quarterback matchups? Uh, we're going to get Goff versus Wentz. First two picks from the draft a couple years ago. We're also going to have Lamar versus Deshaun week two which happens to be my favorite college game of all time, was when Lamar and Louisville went down to Death Valley and played Deshaun. Uh, so anytime they're going to play each other in the NFL, circle that date. I love it. Those are two of the best players, two of the future faces of the league, along with Patrick Mahomes. That's a huge matchup. Um, I love week three also to stay with Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. We have the Chiefs and the Ravens on Monday Night Football. A couple years ago, you had people saying that maybe ESPN was getting the short end of the stick here. And maybe the Monday night games have just fallen off and they just weren't as good. This game is huge. That's an AFC championship preview right there. The Chiefs and the Ravens, the two best teams in the AFC, two, the last two MVPs, two of the future faces of the league. That's the biggest Monday night football game we've had since Chiefs-Rams a couple years ago when both teams put up like 55 or whatever it was. That's huge. Good for ESPN that they could swing that. That's that. That was really the biggest takeaway for me is Monday Night Football Week Three. It's 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 unreal. Yeah, a lot of people still remember that Chiefs Rams games is one of the best games uh, in in recent history in the NFL. In fact, I think it actually won. Uh, the best game of the decade on my other podcast that I used to do on Bulls Radio. Um, best sports game of the entire decade. It was an absolutely phenomenal shootout. Uh, so many defensive turnovers, defensive touchdowns, a lot of back and forth action between those two. So hopefully we'll see offensive explosions similar to that game in that matchup. Matt Perry, anything weeks one through four? Uh, yeah, for me, what stands out is uh, week three. You have a primetime game, um, Green Bay taking on the Saints in New Orleans. You have two veteran QBs, Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, who are in stacked divisions. Every game is going to count this season for sure, um, even more for the uh, Saints, considering that the Bucks now have Drew Brees, Rob Gronkowski. I mean, I'm sorry, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski. Um, 
and just the division as a whole looks like anyone has a chance at it. So that week three matchup definitely stands out to me. Um, it'll also be interesting to see how Aaron Rodgers will deal with his lack of weapons. Um, Cause it can definitely be said that after the poor draft that green Bay had um, Rodgers doesn't really have many people to throw to uh, besides Devonte Adams. So it'll be interesting to see how the Packers handle that week three. I don't even know. Uh, did they make like a tight end signing or anything this off season? Like I know they lost Jimmy Graham. Um, he's now in Chicago, but I don't even know if they have any, like even like a dump off tight end they could go to. I, I, I really don't know other than Devonte Adams, what is there for the pack? Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, I'm also a bears fan. I try to be as cynical as I can with the green Bay Packers, but um, you know, I, I, I could be wrong. Uh, whenever I'm looking at weeks uh, one through four, um, I, I really like week one going from uh, Tampa Bay versus the Saints. I think that's huge. Um, weird uh, little tidbit there. Tom Brady is actually opening up a regular season game where he is an a underdog for once. Uh, 74 consecutive games. He was considered the favorite going, dating back all the way to week two of 2015. He will be opening up as an underdog in week one. And just a weird quarterback matchups. RJ said that he likes the quarterback matchups. I really like this one in week four. And there's no really, like, there's nothing really about it that has ties between these two players. But I'm really excited to see Seattle-Miami, to see a Russell Wilson to a Tagovailoa potential matchup. I don't know what it is about those two quarterbacks, but something about that is just, like, screaming sexy to me. I want to watch that game. I don't want to watch Dolphins football, but I want to watch that game. Like, I just want to see Tua go up against Russell Wilson, an experienced quarterback, has a ring under his belt. We'll see what he can do um, against Russ and the Seahawks. Uh, moving on to those middle weeks, <clears throat> we'll, we'll go into weeks five through eight. Uh, this time we'll start with Matt. Five through eight, what are you looking at there? Uh, week seven, I'm seeing the Chargers taking on the Dolphins. Um, Justin Herbert and Tua going head-to-head. Um, the second and third quarterbacks drafted in this year's draft. Um, they both have a lot to prove with teams that haven't had any real success as of late. Um, Chargers have made a few runs in the past few years under Phillip Rivers uh, at quarterback, but now that Rivers is gone, it's going to be Herbert's team, um, at least for the time being. So I'm interested to see what the Chargers can do this season, and I think going against his rookie counterpart, Tua, um, I'm not going to even try to pronounce the last name. Um, it'll be it'll be definitely be um, interesting to see who can who can uh, outclass uh, one another, Tua or Justin Herbert. An interesting rookie matchup, picks five and six, so um, you could say they're interchangeable. You know, it could go in between who was going where. There were rumors that Justin Herbert was going to go to Miami. There were rumors. Um, that Tua was going to San, uh, not not San Diego, uh, Los Angeles actually. Um, so we'll we'll see what's going on. As of right now, I've heard a lot to say that Herbert's actually not going to be starting. But um, you know, you never know. Uh, you pick when you spend a number six overall pick, you'd expect to see that quarterback um, in the starting lineup. I mean, they said Mitch Trubisky wasn't going to start, but he was in Chicago Bears lineups by week three. So there's there's no telling. To you, I can guarantee you that by week seven, Justin Herbert's the starting quarterback of the Chargers. I don't well, think. It'll, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think where you could put a. a that and not see him go in. Like, I think you can I mean, almost book that. I strongly believe that. I don't think, uh, who is it? Tyrod Taylor. I don't think Tyrod yeah. Taylor lasts as QB one for the chargers. I don't think so. Maybe Cam Newton. No, that, <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that for the chargers. I think he'd fit well with them, but I'd yeah. like to see it for the chargers, but man, it'd be really awkward to spend that six overall pick on Herbert and just to see Cam Newton come in and suit up. I mean, Hey, you got to learn behind somebody. Maybe. I mean, why not? Um, <laughs> Looking at those midweek games, anything standing out to you, Jamil? Uh, yeah, things that stand out to me is um, the beginning of the Thursday night football slate. You know, for a while now, we've said Thursday night football is a waste. You might as well get rid of it. But now we're starting to get some better matchups. Um, this year, the first Thursday night game is Bucks at Bears. You know, it's a great way to kick off Thursday. Tom Brady versus the hellacious Bears defense. And then right after that, we have the Chiefs at the Bills, the defending Super Bowl champions against the, the, the Buffalo Bills who are looking to take over the AFC East division. So I think that's another good matchup. After that, they have Giants, Eagles, you know, a good 
divisional matchup. So Thursday Night Football is really coming along this year. I think it's going to be really exciting for some fans to actually have good football on Thursdays, not just fantasy implications on the line. Really hoping these aren't color rush games again. Like this, the, that whole Thursday, like Thursday night, you can see some of the worst jerseys in the world, like those yellow mustard Rams ones. Horrible. Uh, the I remember Jets Bills was a matchup, and it was like the worst thing. For it was right on green. It was Christmas. Yeah, it was the worst thing for anybody who's colorblind. You know, it's really. I, I think Matt's colorblind. Aren't you red green colorblind? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's just watching like a big freaking gray mush face each other, you know, not, not to be, you know, you know, sensitive to the colorblind or nothing like that. But hey, you know, live your dream. I so, can see colors. And yeah, so yeah, okay. So could Stevie Wonder. Uh, <laughs> Come on. Man. Anyway, moving I have time, whatever. Uh, RJ, anything, five through eight. Well, I would like to point out that you, that you completely whiffed on the worst color rush that there ever was. And that's that nasty gold, whatever you call it, that the Jacksonville Jaguars wore. That oh. was garbage. That was terrible. With the gold helmet, the black and gold helmet. It was trash. It was so bad. <laughs> um, I like that Jamel mentioned Pat's Bills week eight, how the Bills are looking to take over the AFC East. That was a bit, That's a big game for me in week eight because the Patriots have had a stranglehold on the AFC East for the last 20 years now. And I think everybody kind of agrees that the Bills are that team to beat in the division this year. Well, this is when you send a message. Week 8, the Patriots come into your building. You go out there, you send the message, you beat the Patriots, send them home and say, no, we've watched you with Brady for 20 years now. This is our division now. We've got our guy and Josh Allen. We gave him some weapons. We've got some studs on defense. It's our division now. I think that's a huge game for the Buffalo Bills. They need to make a statement against the Patriots in week eight. The week before, it's going to be fun. Hey, we get John Gruden versus the Tampa Bay Bucks on Sunday night football. Yeah, sign me up for that one. I love that. I'd love to see that. A couple of storylines there, definitely in the midweek games. I'm also going to piggyback a little bit off of what Jamil said with Thursday night football. My big thing that stands out in between uh, these weeks is week five, that Thursday night football matchup between the Bucks and the Bears. Um, as Jamil said, that Bears defense is absolutely disgusting. And whenever I look back at um, whenever I look at this game, I have to look back at 2018. And there are two games that make me think of this game. And that is one, the 2018 matchup Bears Bucks, where uh, Mitch Trubisky turned himself into a or I shouldn't say he turned himself into. He actually looked like a legitimate quarterback for once. Um, he threw six touchdowns on that Bucks defense, absolutely lit up. Um, at down at Raymond James absolutely looked like he looked competent for once. Um, and then another game was uh, the same year, actually the bears and Patriots faced each other. And on the last play, the bears were 55 yards short of uh, tying the game in the fourth quarter. And Mitch Trubisky threw a 54 yard hail Mary and they missed going into overtime against Tom Brady by one yard. Um, I want to see this matchup again. I, and I think Mitch Trubisky has a lot to prove this year uh, after being declined his option and bringing in Nick Foles to try to compete with him. I think he's going to have a lot to prove. And I think there, there's been additions on both sides of the ball between the, the Bears and the Buccaneers. But it's going to be that Tom Brady-Mitch Trubisky matchup again, which sounds really bad. But I, I think it'll be a game worth watching. Um, so moving on to the second half of the season, we're getting through, we're getting bye weeks in. Uh, we're going into nine through, let's go nine through 13. Anything nine through 13, I will start with RJ, nine through 13, anything. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at week 12 and uh, I'm seeing a Super Bowl preview. I think Kansas City and Tampa Bay in Tampa, I think it's going to happen twice this year. And it's going to happen week 12. And then it's going to happen the first Sunday in February. Yeah, the first Sunday in February. So I, I'm looking forward to that game. That's going to be a huge game. Well, I guess we can lock down your predictions for the AFC West and the NFC South. Um, definitely an interesting thing to know that the Bucks uh, and Chiefs are playing in Tampa, especially with the Super Bowl in Tampa. That really obvious, uh, honestly could be a Super Bowl preview, like word for word. Um, and we'll see how that goes there in week, you said week 13? 12. 12, 12, 12, 12. All right. So moving on, later half of the season, Jamil, what are you looking at uh, coming up in the later half? 
Um, I'm glad RJ picked up on that Chiefs-Bucks game because, to me, the Chiefs, in the middle of their schedule, they, they kind of got a break in these weeks. Um, you see they go to the Bucks in Week 12. They go to the Dolphins in Week 14. Those are two games, two very hot cities in Miami and in Tampa, and they get those in November and December as opposed to playing them in September, October when it's 100 and something degrees in these places. And instead, they get to go to places like Buffalo and Baltimore in the beginning of the season instead of late. So I think that's the big key is the Chiefs got rewarded with the schedule here, and I think that could help them serve, help them keep their place atop the AFC West. I was looking. I was listening to the Pat McAfee show today, and he was talking about how uh, the first thing NFL players look at with a schedule is who you're playing in those colder months, just to see if you have to go somewhere crappy like Buffalo whenever it's pouring snow outside. And as you're, as you say, I mean, you get very lucky there playing in the warmer states um, later on in the season. Matt Perry, anything from nine through thirteen? Uh yeah, week nine. I see a little. Uh, potential revenge game for the Packers. You have the Packers uh, heading to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. And uh, most recently in last year's playoffs, the 49ers eliminated the Packers um, en route to the Super Bowl. So, you know, um, it'll be interesting to see if Aaron Rodgers can come back from last season's defeat uh, despite still not necessarily having weapons, as mentioned before. and um, But the Niners team does still look good. Uh, you still have Richard Sherman. You still have Jimmy Garoppolo, um, Nick Bosa, and um, George Kittle. Um, it's a star-studded team, and um, it'll definitely be a close one. Uh, I believe that's another primetime game as well. So many eyes on that one. I, I said 9 through 13 because they're uh, 9 and 13 were actually the two weeks that really stood out to me whenever I'm looking at this. Um, and it, again, for me, it's two quarterback matchups. And with week nine, I'll start with that. Um, it's Miami, Arizona. And with that, you get Tua Tagovailoa versus Kyler Murray, which is a 2018 Orange Bowl rematch, for at least from the quarterback standpoint. Um, we were talking about this a little bit off camera beforehand, and Kyler Murray absolutely balled out. I mean, he looked absolutely phenomenal in that 2018 Orange Bowl. Um, but in the end, Alabama ended up coming out with a victory. But I'll be interested to see how those two quarterbacks play up against each other yet again. Um, and then week 13, I'm looking at Cincinnati-Miami. I'm looking at Tua versus Burrow. We'll maybe get to see who is, you know, was supposed to be the first quarterback taken. Maybe we'll get a, a little bit of preview at that. I think it's always interesting to see two quarterbacks go up against each other, especially when there's talk about who's one, who's two. Um, I think as the year progressed, it was obvious that Burrow was number one. Um, but I mean, at the beginning of the year, I thought this was to his draft. Everybody thought it was to his draft. I mean, at the beginning of the year, before he even stepped foot in an LSU uniform, Burrow was projected to be a six round pick. So, I mean, to see this kind of change, um, absolutely phenomenal. And I, I want to see that matchup between those two. Uh, wrapping out the season, week 14 through 17, uh, definitely crunch time. You, you got to come in. Um, going to be a lot of important divisional games, a lot of stuff on the line coming in at the end. And I'll start with Jamil. Jamil, what wraps up the season for you? Uh, my biggest highlight at the end of the season is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, in the end of the season. You know, we, we all know how they're starting off with the Saints. We talked about how they're playing the, the Chiefs in the middle. But at the end, look at this this very end of the season stretch. They play the Falcons, the Lions, and the Falcons again. Those are three games in which you might be playing a team that will not have the same coach that they will have at the beginning of the season. Matt Patricia is going to be on the hot seat this season in Detroit. Dan Quinn's going to be on the hot seat in Atlanta. All those staffs could be gone by the time the Bucks face these three teams. And if you can face these three teams with interim coaches, um, that could be a big, big, big plus for the Bucks at the end of the season fighting for a top spot. Maybe we'll be seeing a couple interim coaches at the end of the Bucks schedule. Not a hot take for sure. A lot of people wait to fire their head coaches till the end, but I mean, why not? You know, I mean, if things aren't going right, you might as well get rid of them. Definitely Matt Patricia, Dan Quinn, they're up there. So um, not a bad idea to look at Matt Perry end of the season wrapping up anything standing out uh there are a lot of great division matchups towards the end of the season but um I actually have my Super Bowl prediction uh they're facing off in week 15 that being the Chiefs and the Saints I think this is finally the year that the Saints can get past uh their shortcomings 
Um, you know, they've had trouble with the Vikings uh, several times in the past few years, you know, and haven't been able to make it far enough in the playoffs to really be considered a true Super Bowl threat. But I think this is the year they finally do it. And uh, Week 15 is a little preview of that. Mahomes and Breeds, future and the soon-to-be past going at it. Could they be a pass interference call and a Minnesota miracle away from two Super Bowls? We'll never know. But uh, we were talking off camera, RJ, a little bit before this, and I know that you were very ex- uh, almost kind of irritated that some matchups were missing of the end of the season. Uh, take us through what you like and take us through what you don't like. Well, I'm going to kind of go rapid here. Week 14, I've got a couple Super Bowl matchups. Uh, past Super Bowl matchups that have completely fallen off. Those teams are nowhere near Super Bowl teams. You're going to have Patriots-Rams. Both of those teams are nowhere near what they were when they played in the Super Bowl. Uh, And we're also getting Broncos-Panthers in Week 14. And we know how both of those teams have fallen completely off since their Super Bowl. Week 16, I am a lifelong Carolina Panthers fan. I'm going to tell everybody right now, Ron Rivera was not the problem in Carolina. That guy is a great coach. I believe he's one of the 10 best coaches in the National Football League. He's the best coach Carolina's ever had. And week 16, his Redskins are going to get some revenge on Carolina. Week 17, you're right, Will. We do have divisional matchups. But most of the divisional matchups we have are a projected good team and a projected bad team. I personally want to see some winner-take-all games. Week 17, we get Seattle-San Francisco, and we've got Green Bay-Chicago. Those are really, in my opinion, the only two games where we could see it be winner-take-all for the division title. We do not get Dallas-Philly. We do not get Tampa Bay-New Orleans. We do not get Tennessee-Indy, and we do not get Buffalo-New England. Those are four matchups that would have been nice, that could have been winner-take-all division championship games. And we're not getting any of those. Instead, we're going to get a bunch of eh versus eh. Like it's it's not it's not what you want to see if you're if you're a TV guy. Obviously, those you want Week 17 to come down to the wire, winner take all division championship games. And I don't really think we got that this year. Things can change. This is preseason. You never know with injuries. You never know who's going to get hot. Who's going to have a career year. You never know. We could get some division championship games. But on paper, as it stands in mid-May, we don't get it. We don't have it. So, see, I, I like where you were going there with the with the Week 17 Chicago Green Bay matchup. I think that's my winner take all. Um, that's actually what I have down as the winner of that game. We'll take the division. I think it'll come down between those two, and that's what stood out most to me. Um, but you are right. A lot of those matchups you're not going to get. Um, I would have loved to see another. Bucks Saints. I would have loved to see Dallas Philly. Um, and these are even historic rivalries that you would think would be on week 17 to wrap up the season, but not always necessarily the case. Sometimes you got to change it up. Most of the time you're going to face that division rival. Um, it's just a matter of who. And I guess it's just a, a matter of scheduling this year. Um, we'll see how it plays out in the end. But uh, for the schedule, uh, you know, by a weekly standpoint, that basically wraps that up. Um, so now we're going to look into predictions. It's what everybody comes to see. It's what everybody comes to listen to. Everybody wants to hear it. And we'll start off with a couple rapid fire questions. Let's just start with the big one, MVP. We, we're having a reigning MVP in Lamar Jackson, uh, but there could be a change of reigns. Maybe there's a repeat. And we'll start with Matt Perry. Matt, who do you have as your 2020 NFL MVP? I got it going back to Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to have another really big season. And um, as I said before, they are um, in my prediction for Super Bowl. And honestly, I I could see them going back to back. I mean, Mahomes has everything it takes to win an MVP. He has the weapons to do it. Uh, Guys like Tyreek Hill, uh, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey. He has all the offensive weapons he needs. All he has to do is just go sling the ball, throw it. I don't know where my wording was going with that. He just has to do what he does best, and that's win, and that's complete passes. And he'll have another MVP in the books. I mean, 
it's 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 hard to not go with Patrick Mahomes. I think it's always a safe bet. It's almost like saying Mike Trout. Um, but the NFL season, um, you know, the NFL does get a little bit dicey, and you never know exactly what's going to happen. RJ said it best. Um, and that'll bring me to RJ. RJ, who do you have as the 2020 NFL MVP? Yeah, I, sorry. Yeah, we're, it's you know, it's a layup. It's Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I could sit here and try to give you a hot take and say that, you know, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a breakout year. Or I could start drinking the Kool-Aid and say, oh, Tom Brady's going to fall out, which I believe he will. Um, but I, when, it, when it gets down to it, MVP, it's about numbers. It, MVP is not MVP. It's not necessarily the most valuable. It's who has the best year. And I think it's that way in every sport. And I think Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, who's going to stop them? Offensively, you cannot stop everybody. You cannot stop all their receivers. They just drafted Clyde Edwards-Elair. Don't let them have a good running game because you literally cannot stop them then. Uh, It's going to be Mahomes. They're going to be the number one seed in the AFC. I already said they're going to be playing in Tampa twice this year. It's it's Mahomes. Sounds it's it's the same with Mike Trout. I'm glad you mentioned that. You feel guilty writing down Mike Trout or Patrick Mahomes, but like if you want a prediction, you want to be right. It's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, again, fair enough. I mean, as you say, it is kind of a layup. Uh, Jamil, you making it three for three? Are you going Pat Mahomes as well? Um, I think Pat Mahomes will win it, but for the sake of argument. I'm going to say it's Tom Brady. I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid that RJ just offered me. Um, and here's why. Um, you know, time is coming to Tampa. Um, the narrative is going to be at play. People are going to see if Brady can play without Belichick. If Brady can come to Tampa with Bruce Arians, if he can put up the numbers, if he can get Mike Evans, if he can get O.J. Howard, if he can get Rob Gronkowski, if he can get Chris Godwin all involved in the offense and put up some absurd numbers and touchdowns, um, you have to think that people are going to look back and say, huh, Brady can do without Belichick. He did go to Tampa and do this. He brought a team that has been a perennial middle to bottom dweller all the way to the playoffs. Let's go in and give Tom another MVP. You know, I think that's something that could happen. I think Pat Mahomes is obviously the front runner, but for the sake of argument, I'm gonna go with Tom Brady, and that was my reasoning why. I I think it's going to be a heavy Tom Brady kind of season because everybody has always wondered what he could do without Bill Belichick, and I think this is I, I think as Jamil mentioned, a lot of analysts, a lot of writers, everything's going to be focused a lot on Tom Brady being away from the hoodied monster on the sideline, but. Uh, can we just give a damn MVP to Drew Brees already? Uh, I just want to sign up the man. The man's been doing everything he can. Doesn't he lead the NFL history in passing yards? Can we give the man a damn MVP? That's all he's missing. Uh, he's got rings. He's got Pro Bowls, which are pointless. The man needs an MVP. Give it to him already. Sign him up. Drew Brees, lock it in. Um, I don't know what the betting odds are on that, but I would drop money on Drew Brees. Uh, I like him as my current MVP. Um, so staying on a positive note, we're going to take a look at players who were around the middle of the road last year. And we're going to look at who has the potential to take the biggest leap from the 29th season, 20. 19 season to the 2020 season Jamil I'm going to go back to you and start with you biggest leap into your 2020 season um I actually have a pair and a singular person on my pair there's going to be Odo Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield over in Cleveland I think bringing Kevin Stefanski in from Minnesota he's going to new head coach he's going to be running the offense I think he's going to come in. he's going to do tremendous for this duo we saw what happened in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins Stephon Diggs they became a great um, duo, along with Adam Thielen over there. That could be Jarvis Landry's role. I think that duo of Odell and Baker is going to really flourish with the fans. I think their offense is going to be much, much improved this year. And my one-off is going to be Josh Allen from Buffalo. Um, If the Bills want to take that leap and take over that division from the Patriots, Josh Allen's going to have to prove that he can be a capable passer as well as a reliable runner. Um, They brought Stephon Diggs from Minnesota, who I just talked about, to be uh, do everything receiver, not just the deep threat, but be able to catch solo passes and make people miss after the catch to compliment John Brown and Cole Beasley. I like those picks. I, I love Josh Allen. I've been a Josh Allen writer since he's joined the NFL. I don't know what it is about, you know, uh, guys who can move a little bit and have a you know gunslinger kind of arm, but I'm all for it. Uh, and Josh Allen definitely fits the prototype. RJ, going to you, biggest leap for the 2020 season. So this guy, I feel like he's kind of flown under the radar. And I, 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 he, was, he had a lot of hype coming out of college. 
in my opinion, watching him in college, this guy's a future all-pro, future stud, future whatever. Give him all the accolades. I really, really like Roquan Smith. And I know Chicago already has a good defense. And they're led by Khalil Mack. They've got some studs back there with Eddie Jackson. But I really think this year Roquan Smith takes over. I think he's a candidate to win defensive player of the year. I think the guy is the true leader on the Bears' defense that they haven't had since Brian Arlacher. I think he takes a huge step. He might get some all-pro votes. I don't know. I think he's going to have a huge year. Well, that's, a, that's a big praise for Oakland. Uh, and and me being a Bears fan, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little flattered. I'm a little blushed out. Um, and and I, I really like the addition of Robert Quinn, bringing him in to replace Leonard Floyd. And Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack going side to side. You have to think that somebody's coming up the middle because they're going to put everybody they can on those ends to try to stop it. And Roquan Smith blitzing right up the middle. I mean, there's not many middle linebackers who can do it as quick and as good as he can. So I, I like that pick. I really, I really do. I think I really do like Roquan Smith, and and I'm I'm flattered to hear somebody say a Bears name. So uh, we'll go to Matt Perry. Matt Perry, who do you have biggest leap 2020? Uh, biggest leap 2020. I have Michael Gallup of the Dallas Cowboys. We really saw him come into his own last season, um, having his best year to date. And yes, they did get C.D. Lamb in the draft, who will take away a good amount of his receptions potentially. But I think Gallup has the potential to be the top receiver for Dak Prescott and can help Dak Prescott become even better himself because we all know he has quite a bit to prove. Um as a starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. He wants his $40 million. How's he going to earn it? Uh, throwing passes to Michael Gallup, for sure. I think Gallup has a big year and can become a top-five wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, I like the I like Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup, as you mentioned, was coming in to his own quite a bit. And with the addition of C.D. Lamb, I'm sure a lot of people are going to put DBs on Lamb and Cooper. you got to throw to somebody. Uh, could see Gallup kind of finding his way open a little bit more. Um, my biggest leap personally, and this may be a little bit weird to hear for some people. I, I have a pair as well, similar to Jamil. I have drew Locke, and I, I may be a little bit biased cause I just watched a video, uh, earlier this morning on watching him go through his progressions and watching him. It was basically a video to prove why drew Locke's a franchise quarterback. And I honestly, after watching the video am all bought in. Because I watched the guy go through his progressions. I watched that he's the safer quarterback. He's not exactly playing, uh, you know, home run football, basically. He's not always going for the big play. He knows that, you know, he, he needs to do his checkdowns. He needs to go for that big play after the defense has been opened up a little bit. Um, I, and I really liked watching his progressions from when he first stepped onto the field for Denver um, all the way to week 17. And I loved watching him play. I, and now he's got the addition of Jerry Judy. Um, they also drafted another wide receiver, if I'm not mistaken. I can't think of who it is off the top of my head. Um, but they it, it's a nice receiving core out there for Denver. They also have Melvin Gordon now to kind of open up the run game, along with Phillip Lindsay. It's a nice two-headed running attack. I think the Denver Broncos will have a chance to add a lot of wins to their record this year, and I think Drew Locke's going to be a part of it. Um, the next one I have is uh, David Johnson running back now for the Houston Texans. I think now that he's out of Arizona, he has a more established quarterback in Deshaun Watson as opposed to Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, yes, is a decent quarterback at the NFL level, but Deshaun Watson is a little bit more proven. Um, I think they're going to have to spread out the ball a little bit. And with Deshaun, you always have to watch if he's going to run or not. And I think with the options that the Texans have, I could see David Johnson kind of opening up the run game a little bit and maybe finding some gaps. He's going to have to get past that O-line. But uh, I, I see David Johnson doing quite a bit better than he did last season because he didn't play too much. But uh, nonetheless, those are my two big leaps. Um, but now on the opposite side of things, what goes up must come down. Uh, going into the 2020 season, uh, there's a lot of players that people are riding high on from 2019 just because of outstanding breakout years. Um, maybe rookies busting onto the scene doing absolutely phenomenal. And now, you know, everybody's going to think, hey, you know, this can't be sustainable. Um, let's start with let's start with Matt. 
2020 biggest fall. Who's going to take the biggest hit to their statistics? Who's not going to perform like they did last season? Unfortunately, it's sad to say, but I do have to say Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. You know, they had a terrible draft. Um, no offensive weapons drafted. And, you know, he's a great player, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But he's not Superman. He's not going to be able to put the team on his back how he could maybe a couple of years ago, especially with the lack of weapons they have now. As you mentioned earlier, they lost Jimmy Graham, who didn't really put up big numbers anyway. You have Devontae Adams, um, and you have a decent running back, and I believe Aaron Jones or something like that, right? Yeah. yeah so, Yeah, but I don't see Aaron Rodgers being able to support the offense how he has in past years. And more than ability, I just think it's 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 coaching, it's the front office, it's the lack of help that he was given. So unfortunately, that's going to affect him personally, and that's my biggest fall, Aaron Rodgers. We'll see how he is with LaFleur, but as he's getting older, it almost seems like Aaron Rodgers is missing some time due to injury almost every year. Um, that O-line hasn't been helping him much, and as mentioned, that wide receiver core can't do much outside of Devontae Adams. I mean, USF pride, go Bulls with Mon- 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 yeah, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, if I could get that name out of my mouth. But, I mean, come on, you can only do so much. Um, we'll go to RJ, biggest fall, 2020. Well, you mentioned uh, someone that people are riding high on. Other than Lamar Jackson, who won MVP, and other than Patrick Mahomes, who everybody thinks is the best player in the league, which I do too, who were people riding highest on outside of Ryan Tannehill? This guy lost his job in Miami. (laughs) Sorry. Peterman for 500. I said Nathan Peterman, but yeah. (laughs) You can edit that out. People <laughs> were riding so high on Ryan Tannehill. The Tennessee Titans obviously are riding really high on him. They just gave him a huge contract extension. This is a guy that lost his job in Miami, got ran out of town. And I understand Miami, it wasn't necessarily the best place. I know they went through some coaching changes. And they, they've had some trouble really building a franchise from the ground up. But Ryan Tannehill, this, this isn't a guy that's uh, – put the team on your back and take him to the playoffs guy. He handed the ball off to Derrick Henry and that's who got him. That's who got him, you know, just a few plays away from going to the Super Bowl. Ryan Tannehill. I I, I mean, I I hate to sit here and kill the guy, but I mean, did he deserve a huge contract like that? Probably not. Everyone's riding high on him. They think he's the guy. I don't think he's the guy. And I think he's going to come back down to earth and, it's a shame for Tennessee, but, uh, yeah, I don't think that's the guy. Every time I see a quarterback get a fat contract after a playoff win, I immediately think of Brock Osweiler, and I want to vomit in my mouth. Um, but that's just me. Uh, Jamil, we'll go to you. Biggest fall in 2020 uh, from the 2019 season. Uh, my biggest fall actually correlates to one of your biggest leaps. You are all over David Johnson, and I think my farthest fall is going to be his quarterback, Deshaun Watson. And let me preface this by saying – I don't think it's Deshaun Watson that's going to take the fall necessarily. I think he's just going to be a part of the fall that Texans are going to take because of their head coach, Bill O'Brien, and his offseason moves. Um, I still don't understand the trade to get David Johnson for DeAndre Hopkins. I really didn't understand that, didn't fathom it, still don't fathom it now, especially for what they got back in return. But now Deshaun Watson's dealing with him at running back, who gets hurt, but when he's on his game, he's good. But at receiver now, you lose DeAndre Hopkins, you pick up Brandon Cooks. Cool, we have a speed receiver, but he gets hurt often. Just like the guy on the other side, that's going to be Will Fuller. Great, fast receiver, gets hurt often. Same as Kenny Stills. Good receiver, happens to get hurt. So it just seems like the Texans are getting all these good, fast receivers that happen to go get hurt. They just run around with Cobb. Well, he's had bouts of injuries as well, so I don't understand what the Texans are doing surrounding Deshaun Watson with these players. Sure, they're fast, they can get down the field. But with how often they get hurt, I don't know if they can stay on the field for 16 games, um, which means Deshaun Watson's stats are going to regress to me in that area. And I think the Texans are going to miss out on the playoffs this season because of these moves. Yeah, Papa O'Brien's injury reserve out there in Houston probably not going to hold up. 
uh, as bad as Jacksonville, but I can't see them anywhere near the top of that division. So, uh, so I actually have two, again, two biggest falls. And I think one, I just, I'm going to go out and say it, Lamar Jackson. I don't, I don't see Lamar Jackson holding up anywhere near what he did last season. Uh, Whenever you have that scrambling quarterback, who's going to come out and he'll damage you with the run. Don't get me wrong. He's a decent arm as well. He has the ability to make plays, but I think after watching somebody for a whole year and getting to dissect and really realize what they're doing in their game plan, I think it's going to, I think NFL defenses are going to pick up a lot more on it. And I think it's going to be able to shut down whenever I think of a, a scrambling quarterback who had a great year one, I think of Robert Griffin, the third, and I mean, injuries plagued his career, but his season two was not nearly as good as his season one. Um, I'm not saying he's going to drop that bad. But I, uh, I'm going to say that Lamar Jackson's going to take a little bit of a hit. Um, and then I have Marlon Mack. This goes all the way back to episode one um, of GMs for Hire. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to come in there and cut his carries in half. Um, and he's only going to take that big fall from a statistical standpoint because now he's going to have to share carries with Jonathan Taylor. Um, they did come out with a video, uh, the Colts did on their Instagram, talking about their new two-headed monster. So I'm assuming that the game plan is to almost give half to Mac, half to Taylor. Um, and with that, with cutting your carries in half, you're going to lose quite a significant amount of stats. So um, Marlon Mack and Lamar Jackson, my two, uh, my two falls for 2020. Um, now, I, I know a defensive player of the year and I know offensive player of the year are, are, are cool things to see, but I think everybody's always way more concerned about the rookies. Everybody wants to know the draft bust that these draft picks really did pay off. Um, I'm going to start with Jamil. I want you to go offensive and then defensive rookie of the year, your picks for those two awards. Um, on offense, um, I'm going to go Clyde Edwards Hilaire over in Kansas City. Um, I think he's going to get the ball early. I think he's going to get the ball often. No knock to Damian Williams, but if you're going to spend a first round pick on a running back, you're going to need to play that running back. I think they're going to start off splitting. I think towards the end, uh, it's going to be more of a 70, 75 to um, 25 split with um, CHG taking over. Um, we saw what he could do with the ball in his hands at LSU. And I think just going to Kansas City is the perfect offense for him to step into. I think he's going to be great really, really early. And I think he's going to find a way to help carve up defenses along with Patrick Mahomes and the rest of that offense. Um, on the other side of the ball, I think it's going to be Chase Young. I know it's an easy pick. I know it's a cop-out. But um, the Redskins, they have a good defensive line. Adding Chase Young to it makes it even harder. It's going to be hard to choose a guy to double-team on that line. Um, a, a defensive coach like Ron Rivera, he's going to be able to get young in positions to succeed early, and I expect him to be a dominant player for years to come in this league. I, I like those picks. I, I do really like your offensive player, Clyde Edwards-Lahare. I mean, I think that's that's a really big pick. The one thing that Kansas City was missing was a dominant running game, and I think they picked literally the they had their choice at running back, and they picked by far the best running back for their system. Um, so I really like that pick there with Kansas City. Uh, we'll go with Matt. Matt, offensive rookie of the year, then defensive rookie of the year. So uh, despite Joe Burrow getting picked first overall, I do have Tua upsetting him for offensive rookie of the year. Um, I think the Dolphins are slowly but surely putting something together down south, and I think Tua has just enough to put up good numbers and steal the uh, rookie of the year spot from Joe Burrow. Um on the defensive side, I do also have Chase Young. I mean, we saw how dominant he was at Ohio State, and I do think that he will lead the Redskins defense, which has been weak in past seasons. But um, he can also learn from the veteran presence of a guy like Ryan Kerrigan, who although they play different positions, you know, Kerrigan's been doing the, doing the thing for quite some time now. And I'm sure he could teach Chase Young quite a bit. And uh, Jamil mentioned uh, Ron Rivera as well, who does does work well with defensive players. So Chase Young for Defensive Player of the Year. See, I, I think Ryan Kerrigan's been one of those underrated players in the NFL very, for quite some underrated. time. Like, Ryan Kerrigan is out there, and people don't realize the kind of numbers that he puts up out in Washington. And I think it's purely just because he's in Washington. Um, and that it, He's a dangerous guy, not to mention – um, Jonathan Allen up the middle. I mean, that that Redskins defensive line is really gross. Um, adding Chase Young to it is only going to make it better. Um, RJ, wrap it up. Offensive and defensive rookie of the year. 
Well, I hate to do it, but we're three for three with Chase Young. The guy's a freak. The guy was the best player in the draft, in my opinion. I'm glad you guys brought up how good Washington's defensive line is. I think that unit, especially bringing in Ron Rivera, I think Washington's defensive line, watch out. Dak, if you want to get $40 million a year, don't get it in Dallas because you're going to hate playing that Washington D-line twice a year for the next 10 years. It's going to be, it's going to be tough. Uh, offensive rookie of the year, well, you are all in on your boy Drew Locke. Who's Drew Locke going to be throwing to? He's going to be Jerry Judy. Judy a lot. I'm going Jerry Judy, offensive rookie. I think the guy's going to put up big numbers. I really like C.D. Lamb. I actually think C.D. Lamb was the best receiver in this draft. But I just think Drew Locke out there slamming that thin air, and they're going to be playing catch-up because they got to play the Chiefs twice. Yeah, I, I, I really like the Jerry Judy pick. Not a bad pick. I mean, I definitely, I, I do like Jerry Judy. I, honestly, I, he'll probably be the number one out there in Denver. Um, you have to imagine. Um, with me, uh, I'm going right back to who RJ just claimed to be the best wide receiver in the draft class. I like CD lamb. I, I really do like CD lamb in the Dallas system. I think if it's going to be Dak Prescott, if it's going to be Andy Dalton, whoever the hell is going to be throwing the football for Dallas. Um, I, I think having CD lamb is huge. And I, I knew that the, I, I had the Cowboys taking a receiver since day one, since it came out. Because other than Amari Cooper, especially with trying to get Dak to sign this deal, I figured they want to go with an offensive weapon to really appeal to Dak to try to bring him back in. And C.D. Lamb, it, it somehow fell into the graces of Jerry Jones. And, of course, he's going to have a 10-foot smile on his face when he's on his $12 billion yacht and gets to see that C.D. Lamb can be a Dallas Cowboy. Um, I, I really like that picked by the Dallas Cowboys. I think he's going to flourish there with Amari Cooper. I think he can learn a lot from Amari. And I think that it's going to take a lot of pressure uh, off of Amari and open up a lot of lanes for CeeDee Lamb. I'm going to be the black sheep and go with somebody else for defensive player of the year or defensive rookie of the year. I'm going to say Kenneth Murray and, and for the Chargers. And I really like Kenneth Murray. I think Kenneth Murray is one of the uh, I think he's one of the studs at linebacker here in this draft. Um, I honestly had it between Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray. I really liked both of them as linebackers, and I think they're going to be sitting there in the middle running defenses. They're going to be um, comparing, you know, they're going to be running the defenses on their sides. They're going to be racking up lots of tackles. And in that division with the AFC West that the Chargers are in, you're going to have the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Broncos, and that's going to be a lot of passing, and I think it opens up a lot of opportunities for interceptions. Uh, Kenneth Murray, also a hard-hitting linebacker, a lot of chance for fumbles. I really like Kenneth Murray on the Chargers. Um, I was shocked to see him go to the Chargers. I thought he was going to go to the Saints, but nonetheless, I still like him out there in Los Angeles. I'm going to go with Kenneth Murray just to, just to be different um, for the sake of being different. But for those, those are predictions when it comes to individual awards. Let's look at the playoff push. That's what everybody's worried about with the schedule because everybody's going to know, oh, where's, you know, you already know who your teams are playing. But like I said earlier, you get to find out when and how you're playing, like when you're going to play them, how momentum's going to affect everything in the schedule. And what we're looking at here, we're going to start with the NFC. We'll go with the NFC and everybody will give our division winners. And let's start with... Matt Perry, we'll, we'll start uh, with the NFC. Who do you have winning those four divisions? And then give us your three wildcard teams, as this is the first year with three wildcard positions. All right. So for the NFC North, I do have the Vikings uh, winning a three-team race, uh, just beating out the Packers, um, who did not receive a wildcard spot. They will miss the playoffs, uh, kind of going with, the Aaron Rodgers' biggest fall that I mentioned earlier. Um, going to the NFC South, a very tough division, especially now that the Bucks have made all the, all the additions that they did. I do have the Saints, however, beating them out for the division win. Uh, not by much. I do have the Bucks taking the wild card spot, though, uh, and finishing second in that division. Uh, moving to the NFC East, uh, it's a two-team race between the Cowboys and Eagles, but I think the Cowboys had a really good draft 
and we'll finally get the best of the Eagles this season, taking the division. Uh, the Eagles, however, do receive the wild card spot, finishing in second. And then the NFC West, um, honestly, it could be a four-team race this year. Each team has made some good improvements and better themselves. Um, but I do have the Seattle Seahawks finishing on top in the West with the San Francisco 49ers getting that wild card spot. Not bad, not bad. I actually missed, who Who did you say for the East? Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. And then the okay. will receive a wild card spot. Okay, I, I just, I don't know what happened to me, but I like blacked out in the middle of that. I don't know what the hell happened. Um, we'll, we'll go to uh, RJ. RJ, who do you have in the NFC taking divisions and wild cards? Uh, well, my four division champions are going to be the Seattle Seahawks. I think they have the best quarterback in that division by far. I like the Minnesota Vikings. I like that pick. Uh, I think their roster stacked. I like the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't believe in Dak Prescott. Um, I, I, I'm just not a Dak guy. Uh, but Carson Wentz has to stay healthy because I'm not a Carson Wentz guy either. I just think their roster is a little better than Dallas's roster. Uh, and I actually think Tampa Bay is going to win the division. I think they were close last year, and I think bringing in Tom Brady, a guy that doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, we're going to be in every game. Uh, but my three wild cards are going to be the 49ers, the Saints, and the Chicago Bears. That defense is going to slap like it has the last couple years. I mentioned earlier Roquan gets them all pro votes. My boy Mitch Trubisky from UNC Tar Heels, he's going to have a bounce back year. He's going to make Nick Foles sit in my sit on the bench and ride some pine bears make the playoffs nothing like paying a man about 20 million a year just to ride the pine uh god i hope it happens just to see mitch trubisky actually be worth a second round pick or a (laughs) a second overall pick but we all know it's not going to happen um he's still the bust in front of pat mahomes so regardless moving on to jamil uh division winners and wild cards um, NFC South, uh, I've been teetering between Bucks and Saints all day. We'll teeter all month, all year. But right now, I have the Bucks barely eking out with a tiebreaker. On the North, I have the Vikings. I think they're just a better team than the Packers. They had some nice additions. Even though they lost offensive coordinator, they'll be fine. In the West, I have the Niners over the Seahawks. The Seahawks do have the better quarterback, but the Niners, to me, by far have the best roster in that division. And in the East, I have the Eagles over the Cowboys. Last year, the Eagles won with literally no one at receiver. They added three to four receivers in the offseason. I think they're still better than the Cowboys will take the division. And in the wild card, I have the New Orleans Saints, the Seattle Seahawks, and then the Dallas Cowboys sticking into the last and new playoff spot. Not bad at all. Definitely a decent spread between everybody. It doesn't seem like – it's not like the MLB prediction videos that we did where everybody seemed to have like very consistent divisional winners. And I'm even going to keep it moving with a little bit of difference here. Um Screw you all with the NFC North. I'm going Chicago Bears uh, just because uh, I'm going to be a little bit of a homer. And uh, I, I said I said off air that that man right there, Mitch Trubisky, has something to prove. And with being his fifth-year option declined, having Nick Foles brought in as competition, I think that he's going to have that chip on his shoulder. And maybe they'll actually uh, – be able to turn on the televisions in the Bears uh, in the Bears clubhouse because maybe they'll be saying some good things about Mitch Trubisky this year. Probably not, but I'm going to say bold take. Chicago Bears take it. That defense is going to carry them once again, and I just like them just a little bit better than everybody else. Um, then at, at the South, I have the Saints battling with the Bucks uh, back and forth, back and forth. As mentioned, everybody seems to agree. Um, that it's going to be those two teams, but I am going with the New Orleans Saints behind my MVP, Drew Brees. I think he's going to sneak out just a little bit, give him just enough to give him that uh, that number one spot in the South um, with the Bucks falling behind into a wild card position. Um, at the East, I have the Dallas Cowboys, uh, a little bit of a mix between Cowboys and Eagles between us. I like what the Cowboys have done from a wide receiver standpoint, bringing in that additional weapon of C.D. Lamb. I think that's going to bring a new dimension to their offense. I think their defense is good enough to hold them over. They did lose Byron Jones, which is going to be a big loss for them. But I think they'll still find a way to make it work. Um, I, I like them out there in Dallas. And then with the West, I have Seattle taking the division. I think it's going to be a neck and neck battle between Seattle and the 49ers. I think it'll come down to almost a tiebreaker, similar to what Jamil said um, between the saints and the bucks. I like the Seattle Seahawks just over the 49ers Um, for the wild card. I do have the 49ers as my first wild card. 
um, followed by the Bucks, as mentioned earlier. And then I have the Minnesota Vikings sliding in to that three spot on the wild card spot. Uh, all three of you were very high on the Vikings. I like the Vikings myself. I don't think the Packers can do it. I don't think they can have the offense to to hold themselves high enough for a division uh, or for a wild card spot. And since they finished first in the division last year, they're going to have to face all the first place teams, in the NFC. Um, I, I don't like their schedule. I like Viking schedule just a little bit more. I can see Minnesota going um, just sneaking into that third wild card spot. Uh, moving on to the AFC where we'll do it with Jamil. Jamil, AFC predictions, divisional and wild card. Um, in the South, I'm going to have the Colts taking the division. I think we're going to see more 2018 Phillip Rivers and 2019 Phillip Rivers with the offensive line in the run game. In the North and in the West, I have the Ravens and Chiefs taking on their divisions, but I think their win totals are going to come down due to improvement within their divisions. And in the East, I have the Bills finally overtaking the Patriots. Um, we'll see what Stidham can do for the Patriots, but I think the Bills are going to have enough to finally, finally, finally have a new division winner over there in the East. And the wild cards, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers with Big Ben back and that good the defense they had last year. I think their offense will actually be able to score on their own this year and they'll crack into the wild card. Followed by the Cleveland Browns, which will see our first division with three playoff teams. I think the Browns are going to be much improved with Kevin Stefanski coming over from the Vikings. And the last spot, I think, will be the Chargers due to Tyrod Taylor being the complete opposite of Phillip Rivers. He's not going to turn the ball over like he did. He's more of like than Phillip Rivers. And with the defense of Derwin James back, I think they're going to be making plays again. Nice divisional winners. I think a lot of those are going to be probably pretty consistent, at least uh, with two of those yet again. I'm going to move over to RJ, divisional winners, wild cards. Yeah, Kansas City and Baltimore, go ahead and ride them. They're locked in. Uh, I do think Buffalo wins the East first time in, what, 20 years I've had a different champ. That's awesome. Uh, and I do think the Colts are going to win that division. I like – I really like what you said about Phillip Rivers. I don't think Phillip Rivers is near as bad as we saw last year. I think everything just kind of fell apart around him. He happened to be a casualty from it. I don't dislike Phillip Rivers. I think you put him in Indy with that offensive line, with that running game. I would like to see them have another weapon outside of T.Y. I don't, I don't love their receivers. Um, yeah, I, I think the Colts win that division. And my three wild cards are going to be the Browns, the Broncos, and the Steelers. The Steelers went 8-8 eight and eight last year with Doug Hodges and Mason Rudolph at quarterback. You bring in Ben Roethlisberger, a future Hall of Famer, they got to do better than that, right? So Browns, Steelers, uh, Broncos, those are my three wild cards. There you go. A lot of similar picks there. Matt Perry, any, uh, any difference? We'll see what you have, divisionals and wild cards. Well, I just want to say I'm shocked that R.J. RJ referred to Ben Roethlisberger as a future Hall of Famer. Um, I, I have to, I'd have to disagree with that. But Whoa. How really? Whoa. I just, Flag I in the play. Flag in the play. I don't see it. That, that's because for a different I, I, time. That's for a different he has two rings. That's for a different time. It's not all about that. The AFC. Uh, We're going to come back to that. No, you're not going to get not, off of it. Yeah, you, you, might, you might be suspended. We can make that <laughs> a whole separate episode. But – um, the AFC East. This is around I, the horn. I'd mute your mic, but <laughs> yeah, dock him some points, put him in the negative. <laughs> you gotta look at who is around him. But the AFC East, I do have the Bills, um, finally overtaking the Patriots and claiming the division as their own. Although I do have the Patriots sneaking in as a wild card, so they're still making the playoffs. Um, as RJ mentioned, you can lock in Ravens and Chiefs as division champs. For the North and the West, that's a given. Um, the South, though, I will disagree with the Colts winning the division. I will go with the Titans. I think that um, they showed a lot of potential last season, especially making it as far as they did. Um, I think Derrick Henry is going to have the best season of his career. Um, he's going to definitely take over that offense, uh, even though they do have some passing weapons. I think I think Tannehill will be just fine. And um, in 2020, I don't see him faltering much at all. Um, he's in a much better system than he was in Miami. But um, other wild cards, I do have the uh, Cleveland Browns finally getting it together and getting into the playoffs. Um, hopefully, Miles Garrett will not get suspended this season. And having him for potentially a full 16 games can definitely change the defense for the better. 
And then I do have the uh, Chargers getting the third wild card spot. And um, I think Tyrod Taylor, if he does start the season, he's going to start off slow. Um, I put money on it earlier. Uh, Justin Herbert's going to come in. He's going to turn the team around. And uh, he's just going to get him in that spot they need to be in to claim that third wild card. Matt Perry, before I even mention anything about your picks, you are the only person who has had a hot take that has stopped all uh, like a live show. That and you've done, you've done it, it. You've done it with Big Ben not being a Hall of Famer please and acknowledging it, please, winning please the division. Give me the the <laughs> I, I guess I'll move on before Jamel cries. He's always had weapons. And, you know, he's top 10 in yards and touchdowns all time. And he has two rings. The argument's done there. I, I don't know. I, if, if, if he gets in, it's going to take a couple of years. What? Peyton Manning had a ton of weapons. Tom Brady had a ton of weapons. Drew Brees always has weapons. Aaron Rodgers at the beginning of his career always had weapons. You were on set. I would have walked off like Stephen A. Smith. I'm about to go to sleep. You're an embarrassment. I'm really about to go to sleep. This is embarrassing. What are, you, what are you doing? You need to stop right there. Stop right there. Stop right there. This is blasphemy. This is blasphemous. You should be banned from the city of Pittsburgh. <laughs> you should. You cannot wear black and yellow ever again. Shannon Sharp would say, "Come on, Matt. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. Come on. What are you doing? <laughs> what do we, I, I don't want to be." Even Scooby Doo's raising his fucking nose on that one. You know, <laughs> you know what the hell's going on? But I'm gonna go into my division winners before we start a holy war over Big Ben. I'm gonna go with. Uh, hey, speaking of Big Ben, future Hall of Famer, I have him winning the North. Uh, I'm the. This is back to back times that everybody picks somebody for the NFC or for the North division, and I said screw you all and pick somebody else. Uh, I'm doing it again. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm gonna go with them as mentioned by RJ and I want to say Jamil. Uh, they went eight and eight with Duck Hodges, a guy who's named after a, a duck. I mean the guy. <laughs> and yes, his name's Delvin or Devlin. I don't care what his name is. Yeah. Whatever the guy's name is, freaking Hedge or what? Uh, who cares? Big Ben's gonna be back. Hedges. I don't give a shit. Um, Big Ben's back, and the, the future Hall of Famer quarterback, Big Ben, is back. He's going to be leading that Steelers offense. I think if they can go eight and eight with a third string quarterback, I think they can do mighty fine with a first string quarterback. We'll see uh, if I'm right, but the only time will tell. Um, the Chiefs are my lock. Not even going to explain it. Bills are a lock. Not even going to explain it. And then uh, I'm going back to the Colts. Uh, that is a division that I guess could have a little bit of faltering with the Titans. I just like as mentioned, Philip Rivers. I, I, I love Philip Rivers, the addition of it. I think that having that experience, quarterback's going to help a lot. Um, I think T.Y. Hilton's one of the most underrated and forgotten about people in football um, overall on either side of the ball. Uh, and I think it's just because he's the lone guy out there in Indianapolis. Um, and I, I love him. I love the Colts. I love what they're going to do. That rushing attack's going to be gross. Um, T.Y. Hilton's going to be good with Philip Rivers. I like that team as a whole. Um, so moving into my wild cards, I still have the Ravens making the playoffs. At least I still have them going in as the first wild card spot. Lamar Jackson's my biggest fall. I have to do it. Um, the Los Angeles Chargers will slide into my two. I like them. Um, great team. Did it last year. Why not again this year? And then I have not the Cleveland Browns, unlike the three of you. I have the Denver Broncos behind my big leap of Drew Locke. I have the Broncos just sliding in there at the final part of that wild card spot and taking on the NFL playoffs since the first time since Peyton Manning left. So we'll see how that goes. Um, are we right? Are we wrong? I mean, well, probably a mix of both. But uh, if anything can be taken from this episode, it's definitely the fact that Matt Perry's wrong with the fact that Big Ben's going to not be a Hall of Famer. But we'll we'll leave that to everybody else. Um, for that, any other any other last points that anybody wants to make about the NFL season? Um, anything, any players you want to watch out for? Any teams, uh, any games we didn't necessarily mention? Anything at all? I just want to go on record and say I hope the Carolina Panthers go 1-15 so we can draft Trevor Lawrence. But <laughs> You uh, know, I don't think you guys are going to be that bad. I, I definitely think you're going to win like six games. Yeah, we're, I know, and it's annoying. 
<laughs> it, it it sucks that you can't be horrible and get. Well, Trevor look at Lawrence. it like this: you live driving distance to Jacksonville, so you can see Trevor Lawrence if you want. Oh, I don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to see his team win. He doesn't care who the quarterback is. <laughs> this isn't a Trevor Lawrence thing. He just doesn't want the Jags to do it. Feel free to reference episode one for all that. Um, but yeah, uh, anybody else? Matt, Jamil, Matt, you have anything blasphemous to say again? Any 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 hot takes? What? Because is, like, please, while I have is, Google is your, out, is your invent is your MVP of the season like Chandler Canton Zero? Like what what the hell are you gonna say next? Um, the 2009 Super Bowl is not one without uh, James Harrison's touchdown and Santonio Holmes's touchdown. It wasn't a good okay. throw. Who threw San Antonio the Holmes that touchdown? You know what? <laughs> it was a good throw. It was a good catch. He got the tippy toes in. It was beautiful, but it wasn't a good throw. Man, I have a question. So did the Broncos defense not single-handedly beat the Panthers? They did. Oh, so is Peyton Manning still a Hall of Famer? Yeah, because what he did outside the game. Okay. What do you do outside so the game? Do them being one of the all-time best quarterback statistically? Say that again? I, you broke up. I said so it has nothing to do with him being one of the best quarterbacks all-time statistically. For Peyton Manning, yes. But Big Rockersburg is in the top ten of every set. Big Ben, like, sexually assaulted somebody. <laughs> you don't, you're not wrong. I'm not condoning the man's off-the-field antics. I'm just saying on the field, that dude's a Hall of Famer. I mean, OJ's a Hall of Famer. Exactly. And he, and he may have killed a guy. We don't know. We don't know. Ray Lewis <laughs> might have, too. We don't know. Doesn't Do you fit. think – OJ Simpson's very active on Twitter. You think we could get him on for an episode? Oh, <laughs> Mr. God. Simpson, it's worth a shot. Mr. OJ Simpson, we have someone spewing nonsense, and we want to we want you to get him in line. Listen, if, he lives in St. Pete. Let's just ride over there. Oh, now we're talking about it. If Let's we can go live from OJ Simpson's house, I'm so <laughs> oh. for this. Oh my God, he's got to have great internet. I won't be recording on OJ. <laughs> but until then, if the juice is loose, if if he is loose and loose as a goose and listening to this podcast, feel free to shoot us an email or shoot us something on our Instagram. Um, it, I, we'd love to collaborate. But uh, until then, I think that can wrap it up for us. Uh, we are the GMs for Hire, um, the kid, couple of kids who've never been hired by a pro organization who think we can make the big calls. Uh, obviously, Matt can't, but we'll we'll move on to see uh, in future episodes if any of us can. Um, you can feel free to follow us on all platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasting. And now we also have an Instagram at GMs for Hire. That's GMS, the number four, Hire. Feel free to follow us on there and feel free to subscribe, like, comment, anything you want to do to make us uh, grow our brand. We love having uh, everybody listen in and we love making it seem like it's worth it. So uh, until next time, we've been the GMs for Hire and this has been our predictions on the 2020 Everyone season. feel free to hit Jamil King up on social media to um, call, to try out for Matt Spot after that blasphemous. He's going. He's getting suspended. Open open auditions for a potential four or maybe a fifth spot. Uh, unless it's OJ Simpson, then you're guaranteed to be on the show. But yeah, uh, <laughs> until then, we're the GMs for hire. Peace out, everybody.